Tournament Poker Edge Live. Hey everybody, welcome to Tournament Poker Edge Live, brought to you by TournamentPokerEdge.com, a very special non-WSOP episode of the podcast. Uh, we don't do a lot of these, but if there's a good reason to do it, it's a $10 million guaranteed tournament, which is going on in Florida right now, and uh, we're happy to have Chris Moon here. He is down playing the tournament, and uh, get a little insight from him and talk to him a little bit about his day one. How's it going, Chris? Uh, it's going well. Welcome. Just an hour ago, and then started doing this interview. So, <laughs> ah, the life of a poker pro, and it's almost three o'clock for people who are wondering. Yeah, two forty-five so, yeah. Eastern. <laughs> so yeah, so you uh, you played day one yesterday of this massive tournament, right? Yes. Um, and did you? Is this the only event you played? Yeah, we we came down, um, kind of primarily just played some PLO cash games, and then we were too late for I think that five sixty or the three fifty, whichever one was second. So right. we, you know, we came back. We came down on the Monday. Today would be what Friday. Yeah, we came down on yeah. Monday. Um, it started on yesterday and Thursday. So we we thought we were actually coming kind of early and just like get in, like get our bearings, get our feet wet, play some cash, and then you know get ready for the tournament. So, but yeah, right. apparently they've been doing like two fifties and three fifties and five sixties for the last couple of weeks here. So nice. Yeah, I know. Um fellow tp pro danny m13 is down there as well oh yeah um, i got a story about him later too i forgot to oh tell good. you that before the call oh my god i love danny m13 stories yeah, so danny we'll, we'll definitely very <laughs> so let's um I, I guess a good place to start is let's talk a little bit about the field because i was reading a lot of different discussions about it and some people felt like it was going to be this super soft field some people felt like it wasn't going to be as soft as people thought because there were so many people coming in, um, you know, for that massive prize pool. Well, what did you find when you sat down? How was how was the field in terms of field strength? Absolutely not soft. Uh, absolutely yeah. not. Um, you saw at every table. If I was to put it this way, this is the toughest non-WSOP field that I've ever played. Um, it's a fi- you know I've played like five Ks and three Ks at the WSOP and sat down and had like three superstars on my table every time I moved tables. So, you know, those were like definitely the toughest fields I've ever played. But this has to be like, if those are number one, this is like number one A. It, there was never a table where I'd look and be like, oh, I don't recognize anybody at that table. It was like, you know, you had Chicago Cards one at one table and then you had like our own um, – J. Lude Obs at like the other table, and then I noticed like Jacoon, you know, down that way, you know. So there was never a table yeah. that I looked and I was like, oh my god, I've seen that guy on TV, you know. <laughs> so yeah, it seems like not that long ago everybody was like, oh, Florida is this mecca of fish that you must go to, and maybe it still is. But from the sounds of what everybody's saying, this tournament didn't turn out to be quite like that. I guess it is a 5K buy-in, right? So you're not going to get. Well, and it's a casual players. Daryl Jace hit it on the head too on Twitter. It's it's a 5K re-entry where you don't have to wait till the next day to re-enter. So you can conceivably fire like three times a day times three. You could like conceivably fire like between six and nine bullets of this thing. The only yeah. people that can afford to do that are like super whales and super sharks. And then there's also at the end of the week a 100K buy-in. So the big superheroes are going to come to play this 100K buy-in, and while they're here, oh, I guess I'll just flick in on this five. 
5k Tim B <laughs> while I'm at it, you know? So, right. um, yeah, so they gave away a ton of seats and, and cash and a lot in satellites, but just for as many like whales or like people that I played against that weren't very good, there was at least one or two like super regs that were at my table all, all day. So, yeah, I mean, my last, did you, at the end of the night was Blair Hinkle, John Dolan, uh, oh, and a guy who won like the CPC main this year, or last year. So I mean, like all directly seated to my right and left, and all had it deep. So, right. did you find that people were playing it like a? Re- were there any people playing it sort of like a rebuy, since it almost essentially is? At my table, it didn't seem so, but I saw like um, Jay Lude said that Chicago Cards busted his table, and then like I saw him re-enter. And then, like, I'm pretty sure he busted again, and I saw him re-enter again. So I know there was a lot of stars that were playing it as such, and it sounded like um, Sean Deeb did the same thing. But yeah. in terms of who I was playing against, nobody seemed like they were not taking it seriously. So Right. Yeah, I kind of wondered if – I mean, I don't know, 5K, a 5K rebuy is a pretty big, <laughs> a pretty big you know, dent to your bankroll, almost no matter who you are. but. Yeah. Um, I was wondering if people would end up playing it like that. Um, so let's talk a little bit about day one, how it went for you. Um, I followed along on Twitter. I'm sure some of the listeners did as well. But talk a little bit about how the day went, uh, you know, yeah. in terms of building the stack and whatnot. At the beginning, you started like 600 bigs deep, and I found a way to lose like 100 bigs in six orbits or so. So um, <laughs> the the first beginning levels didn't really go my way, but thank God for the beat – for the structure. I mean, the structure toward then, I think people were kind of pissing and moaning about, oh, it's such a turbo and for a 5K, and they're trying to get people to re-enter. And they didn't skip any levels, although the first levels up until dinner were 40 minutes. They never skipped hmm. levels. 25, 50, 51, 75, 150. 75, 150 again with an Annie. 1, 2, uh, 153. And they, they didn't even skip, like, 250, 500, which is, like, customary... Like in WSOP tournaments, they skip that all the time. Like main events on the circuit, they skip that event, that level all the time. So, yeah, that seems like a great structure. Yeah, so I think but I mean, it didn't really make that much of a difference. I don't think. In fact, I think it kind of played better at the start. It got things going when you didn't really need to have hour levels, and then once the levels started to get shallower, that's when they started playing for an hour. So. Yeah, um, but and what uh, what did you start with in ships? Thirty thousand. So at twenty five fifty, you had thirty thousand. Wow. Um, but the the beginning of the table, it was it took me quite a long time to get my feet wet. Uh, I had like two regs that are on like a tear this year. Um, a local guy named Danny. Uh, I don't remember what his last name is, and he he's on like the WPT ones to watch this year coming up, and then there was. Um, Montreal French Canadian pro um, Jason Duval, I think his name is. He's his nickname was like Baby Dog. They kept calling him Baby Dog like all day long. So he just <laughs> won like a big. Uh, he won a bracelet this year, and then he won a big tournament in Montreal just recently. Him and Danny were talking about it. So, um, nice. so yeah, he was like definitely very, very, very competent. And then um, everyone else at my table seemed to be kind of recreational at the beginning. Some guy said that he won, like, the Win Classic. He's, like, a diamond dealer. But, like, besides that, 
I mean, everyone else at the table seemed kind of just playing like really standard at the beginning, and I had a hard time trying to find spots to pick up chips because I had I had to play Jason and Danny in a three-bet pot anytime I wanted to enter the pot, so um, right. it's kind of like one of those days. And right off the top, I found uh, ace-queen against a set of fives on like ace-queen five in a spot where I probably found a way to lose the maximum amount of chips, but still was still left in the tournament thanks to the structure and how deep we were. It was like I opened the big blind, um, wasn't playing like ridiculously aggressively and if I if this had been like an hour later I probably would have lost like no chips but it, like if I had a better idea of what kind of player he was um right it came like ace three five uh he check called turn was a queen and he led into me which I found really weird uh wow I raised the turn and he called and it was ace queen three five yeah ace queen three five he led into me pretty strong. I raised the turn and he called. The river was a deuce, putting a one-liner out to a straight. Uh, he checked and I put in like a one-fifth pot value bet, I think like 1,200 into like 6K. And he snap calls and he has a set of fives. Wow. And I kind of like later on during the tournament, I was thinking to myself, like the more and more I got to know about the type of player this guy was, I was like, man, what did I really think I was getting called by on the river? <laughs> Even though I have top two, like, Raising the turn, and when he snap calls me on the turn, like, what do I really think I'm beating except, like, ace-five suited and, like, ace-four suited? Like, right. he, you know, I don't know. I didn't really know what I thought I was accomplishing. Like, the bet that I made on the turn was, like, a really large bet in terms of the size of the big blind at that point of the tournament, too. So, I don't know. A couple and times where I the, was like, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, on the river, like, are you making a one-fifth pot size bet with a plan to fold if he... Goes crazy? Or? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a one-liner to a straight two, and if he's, like, later on I kind of figured, he, he played, like, really super nitty on, like, boards where it's almost impossible for the person's range, like, his opponent's range to have made, like, the hand he's afraid of. Like, for example, right. there were, there was, like, a three-bet pot, and it's, like, eight, six, like, eight, seven, six, five or something, and he was, like, afraid of, or there, like there'd be eight, seven, five, four, and he'd be afraid of like exactly pocket sixes or something, and he like slowed down really hard with like a set. Um, right. You know what I mean? And after seeing those hands get shown down, I was like, wow, what the hell did I really think I was gonna get value from on <laughs> on the river if I'm if he's that scared of a one liner like me having a four or a three randomly? Like he's definitely not like check calling ace jack or something like that on the river. So. Right. Yeah. It you know if if you had only had that information earlier, right? Yeah, that's exactly what I was saying. Like if it was an hour later, I probably would have just like call called or something. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, one thing we were talking about before we jumped uh, on the call and started recording that you had talked about was that you had actually implemented some of the things that you had picked up from one of the Ben Warrington series. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, so Ben talked about um, like winning in online tournaments in 2013 and, you know, the state of the composition of your opponent, your average opponents in 2013 versus, you know, like as far back as 2005 and even as recently as like 2011 before black Friday. Um, and he goes into great depths about, you know, how today it's not even about like who's the fish and who's the regs. It's pretty much who's the regs and how do you differentiate between the regs? Because there's just so many regs in the fields these days, you know, it you, you make more money by differentiating between 
the regs and the really good regs instead of focusing on, you know, who are the fish and who are the regs type deal. Um, right. And he also, you know, came up with some strategies on how you want to be um, tackling stronger players that are, you know, competently three betting you and have like a three bet to five bet range and um, things of the like. So as the table started, as the Andes came into play and the state table started picking up and game flow um, got faster, people became more attuned to like each other's games. It, uh, I started picking picking up a lot of spots where uh, I, you know, I would like cold for. Like, Jason would want to isolate a lot of limpers. There was actually still, like, a lot of limping going on at, like, the 100, 200 with an ante level. Mm-hmm. And Jason would be isoing some limpers, and then Danny would, like, be three-betting Jason's iso. So I picked, like, I want to say between, like, two and four spots where I just would, like, cold four-bet his iso with his three-bet of the iso with, like, an ace-four locker that went through successfully picked up like a lot of chips in uncontested pots like that. Um, and I got really fortunate in terms of circumstance as well, where um, Jason would open late and I'd be in the small blind and I would three bet with a plan of like five betting because I know how much like Jason would try and just like is a reg who is competent enough to know that I should know that he's opening very light. So I should be three betting light. So he should be four betting light, but I didn't think he was willing to like, open to four bet to six bet really light just (laughs) yet so i knew that his his um four bet fold range was much higher than his four bet call range so i I, you know i picked i think two spots against him where i three bet to five bet without it like one was just like i just looked down at a hand and i'm like this is the time to do it and the other one i think was like an ace blocker and then i did that against danny as well i had ace nine suited and he opened the button I three bet and he four bet and I just didn't want to play ace nine suited out of position against him, but I also knew that he has like a four bet fold range. So same thing, like five bet him and it worked. And then after that happening a couple of times, I got really fortunate where um, Jason picked up a stack like right away where he flopped a flush over someone's set. And I guess the guy like didn't read the board correctly or something and gave him like 400 big blinds on the turn. Wow. And and he went on a tear. He was playing really well and winning a lot of pots without showdown. So he had like maybe like a 90 to 100 K stack, like three levels in and from the 30 K starting stack. But then some things just didn't go his way. And there was like, some things didn't go his way. And he, you could tell he was just starting to get frustrated. Like I apparently like two outed him on the turn where I three bet, I three bet King queen suited out of position again him like in a squeeze spot and it came like three hearts I had no heart I made a c bet against him and he called I turned to king I barreled again he called river was a jack I barreled again and he called and he had uh two red queens so uh, I got frustrated and showed that and so I'm like uh, there was a two rulings in a row where he picked up his hand to try and indicate to the person that he was trying to look at their stack you know like have you ever seen people do that like in live oh right like, right you move your like hand. Kind of saying, hey, lift, lift your hand, bro. <laughs> yeah, like he wants, he's trying to say, like, hey, can you lift his hand? You lift your hand because he didn't speak like very good English. So he'd lift his hand and then put his hand back down, and then it got ruled as a check twice where he was in position on the river and had no hand and was trying to, like, bluff the guy off his, 
you know, off his hand or whatever. And then it was ruled a check, so his action was dead, so he had to show his hand, and he has, like, no hand. So he got really upset with the floor for that. So I could tell, like, oh, man, this guy's about to spout off. Like, he's about to give these chips away. And, like, sure enough, he started picking, like, marginal at best spots to, like, make bluffs and uh, river raises and things like that, and he kept getting caught. So at, like, the 500 big blind level, I had, like, like 50K, and he barely covered me. He had, like, 56K or so. Mm-hmm. And... um there was a hand where I raised under the gun with deuces. It was, he flatted. It came like 10, 10, 5, 3. I see bet and he floated. Turn was a 5. He, I check raised his bet on the turn. And he ended up mucking and I show a deuce and muck the other. And then <laughs> like, like by magic, like two hands later, I get aces in the small blind when he opens the cutoff. Um, I three bet, uh, he four bets, I click it back and then he just rips like 110 big blinds. And like my three bet was because I knew I was pretty sure at this point, like, I don't know what he has obviously, but I'm pretty sure at this point he's just like ready to spout off, like with all the tilt that's been going on and like the like inner game dynamic that's been going on with the two of us and like him and Danny and stuff. I was like, pretty sure he's just ready to just like, you know, tilt this entire stack away. We ended up having king but he still got like 115 bigs in with ace king pre-flop and was like pretty severely pissed off that i actually had a hand there um but yeah like i was a i was pretty fortunate in terms of circumstances there where like i had three bet to five bet a couple times before and like they never knew i never showed what i had but then like i had just shown a deuce like two hands before and now i pick up a <laughs> real hand like it just was kind of fake in terms of the circumstances but it was it was nicely it was nice that it had been like, the game flow had, like, set that up as well. Because if that was just, like, a nit opening the cutoff, you know, and I three-bet a ton of the times, it's just going to be like, oh, he'll just fold. So, Right. Yeah. goes to show you how important recognizing game flow is. You know, you spend all your time on your iPad with your headphones on or in your hoodie or something. You might never pick up on some of those dynamics that are happening. Yeah, I agree. It makes it... Uh, Makes it especially rewarding though when you pick up the aces when so, when somebody's about to implode. That's the best feeling ever when you've been kind of setting it up all game. Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Yeah, I think you kind of cut out for like the last five or six seconds. You can. Oh, okay. We were getting. Up. Yeah, I I hear you perfectly, but might just be a mild case of bad internet. But that's all right. We'll just keep rolling on. The, the best thing about TP Live is that it's. And it's the informal of the two podcasts, so we don't worry. We we don't worry about sound quality and things like that. Yeah, That's I'm, not on my, I'm in. I'm on my uh, room's Wi-Fi on my iPad, so not exactly. And we've all stayed in. We've all stayed in hotels. We know how good the Wi-Fi is in hotels. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> um, one thing I did want to ask about. I was curious. I I've actually been to that casino a couple of times, but I haven't been there in probably. Five years, maybe. I'm curious to know how things have been going in terms of actual running of the tournaments and stuff like that. Like, you know, floor people are competent, dealers are good, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, dealers yesterday were actually really good. Um, Danny and I were kind of like talking in between hands about, you know, like, oh, this person was really good, and this is probably like the best dealer I've ever had, and this guy was like top five today, and like, we never really had a dealer where we were like, oh my god, let's get this going, which you do at the WSOP because they have you know, thousands of dealers and it's just like not possible when you pay thousands of dealers, not a good amount of money that you're just, every single one is going to be quality, you know? Um, the floor people are, 
by and large, pretty much the same floor people that do all the WSOP circuit events. It seems like they just kind of hired the same staff and hmm. okay. put them in a suit, put a patch on them, and set them down on their floor. Um, all the same guys I see at WSOP and WSOP circuits and whatnot. So, yeah, in that case, nice. you know, floor has been pretty good for the tournaments. But, like, in terms of cash games, it's just been like a – it's kind of been like a zoo in there. Their cash game room is separate, as you know, but, like, the listeners – might not might have never been to this one. It's the Hard Rock in uh, what is it, Hollywood, Florida? Yeah. It its cash game room is separate. It's kind of like in a mall, like outside of the actual casino. And in terms of like the amount of tables that they have in there, it's a pretty big room. But in terms of the physical size of the room, it's like two floors, but it's not within a really large floor space. And they have uh, one cage downstairs. And for the most part, during cash games this summer, they've been they've had like three open, but two of them are servicing like chip runners going to other mm-hmm. tables or whatever. So, I think about just about every time that I've had to cash out like any significant amount of chips, I've been sitting there for like twenty minutes to get it done. Yeah. Um, I w- yeah, I was wondering if they still had that separate cash room because that's how it was yeah, back in the still day. Do. When I was still there. the same way. Yeah, and it, it, I think you probably described it right in that it's. It's a pretty decent. It's probably a really comfortable room, you know, year round when when it's not completely packed. But I can imagine with that kind of crowd there for poker specifically, that place has got to be a nightmare. Yeah, and like they they have the bottom floor and the top floor, and they try and put like all the PLO games up on the top floor and the no limit games on the bottom floor. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But then it just kind of creates this chaos because like they'll take your name upstairs for like the the master list but the master list is displayed downstairs so Uh like if you want to play a big plo game upstairs you might want to go upstairs to see if someone calls your name like uh, just using their voice and not the microphone but if you want to know like what your order is on the list you have to go downstairs in that terms it's like it's a real big pain in the ass um and yeah, like one time i went up to the cash cage and the lady's like oh we're gonna have to wait and like why and she's like i don't have hundreds (laughs) <laughs> you're a casino cash cage how the hell do you not have hundred dollar bills like what have you been doing all day um yeah and like yesterday was it yesterday or two days ago i had to give like there's they got a lot of people that are just like jumping the list because i think they recognize that no one's really not no one but they're not paying attention to the list as much as they should be like the floor people so they're yeah. just like oh a seat opened and i'll just be this person because i know he's next on the list and i'll just like jump to the next table so I'm sitting at 5-5 five, five PLO waiting for a 5-10 PLO game and and said, you know, you guys will be next on the list to go. And they see the other two, and then they say, you know, do you want some 5-5 five, five action while you're waiting? And I say, sure. So I'm sitting at the 5-5 five, five PLO action, and my friend is at the 5-10 table. And so me and him kind of like talking back and forth and whatever. And I noticed that a seat over there pops up. I'm like, okay, sweet. I'm about to get called for this table. I know for a fact I'm next. And this guy at my 5-5 five, five table is like, all right, guys, I just got called for 5-10. And he stands up and he like, walks to the table. <laughs> and I just, like, see this happen. And I, like, call the floor. And I'm like, hey, excuse me. I'm like, that gentleman over there just took my seat. You know, I'm Chris M. I'm next on the list. And she looks at me and she's like, you're Chris M? And I go, yeah. And she's like, no, he's Chris M. And I'm like, no, he's not. I just talked to you <laughs> 10 minutes ago. I'm definitely Chris M. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. He said he was Chris M. 
And so then she has to, like, go and, like, pick him up and, like, take his chips back here. And he has to, like, come sit. And he's sitting, like, literally right next to me. And it's, oh, like, he's got to come and do, like, you know, tail between the legs. Like, sorry, I got caught or whatever. So I gave him, like, <laughs> I gave him the Dikembe Mutombo finger wag, like, in real life. Like, <laughs> no, 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 sir. That's my seat. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. he. Fe- I'm sure he felt like a dick. Yeah. Oh, man. Of course, it would have been a great story if his name actually was Chris M. No, but. it definitely was not. He, and he does, <laughs> that's the best part is he doesn't even look like a Chris M. He looks like super European. He's like, oh, yeah, unless his name's like Chris F. Montessori or something. There's no way. <laughs> Too good. All right, so let's let's get to um, two very important topics. We'll talk about your Danny story here in a second. Oh, yeah, it's good. But before we get to that, um, have you seen Jamie Kerstetter there? And if so, has she accepted your proposal for marriage yet? No, I have not seen her. I don't think she's. I don't think we're anywhere near getting ready just yet. I think once I hit that big score, we'll we'll be talking. But no, I haven't seen Jamie Kerstetter out here. <laughs> she was probably planning to go, and then she heard you were going to be there, so she said, oh, "I'll just go to Borgata instead." Yeah, I feel like that that joke kind of just like played out a little bit and it it moved from like it transitioned from being in her mind like oh it's cute like this young kid keeps proposing to me on twitter and every time he sees me in person to like okay this joke has played out now we're like bordering on creepy i kind of think the kid's serious you know <laughs> so, uh, yeah and i met her, i met i think her boyfriend's name is zach i met zach yeah, he's in vegas and he kind of had this look where he's like yeah oh that kid all right <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the the weird creepy guy. Yeah, so I think that joke is kind of running scores. So. <laughs> That's great. All right, so let's get to uh, let's get to Danny and thirteen stories. For the people listening who don't know, he uh, he finished second, and I think it was a twenty two hundred dollar buy in yeah, tournament. Um, all right, so the story picks up when <laughs> at, at Danny's final table. I like we just got into town that day and. Like, after the time we finally got out of the airport and came here and got our stuff in our hotel room and whatnot, we wanted to go check out the casino. And I was reading on Twitter, like, seeing Danny, like, oh, you know, guaranteed sixth place, blah, 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 this much money, I'm one of six, three betting King 8 off, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) And they seem like his tweets are getting, like, progressively and progressively, like, more aggressive, you know? Like, they seem like they're getting more and more, like, ruthless as the day is going on. So I'm like, oh, i got to go check this thing out. So... I go into the room and there's like four tournaments going on at once and there's a lot of people standing around one particular table. So I'm like, oh, that's got to be his. So I walk over and like, sure enough, it's Danny and I think the guy's name's like Jake Schindler. I didn't know at the time, but I found out later after Danny said it like a hundred thousand times. But uh, (laughs) yeah, him and this kid are playing heads up and it looks like his opponent has like a 10 to one chip advantage on him. Like Danny has like one stack of like red chips, and then this other guy has like so many chips he can't even get his hands around it to pick up the cards, you know. <laughs> so, um, and Danny's got Danny's got a beer in his hand. He's got like his friends are all like hanging around him, and he's just berating the guy that he's playing heads up and all the floor staff around him, where he's like, he's like, oh yeah, put it in your blogs. Jake Schindler is gonna crush Danny N thirteen. Go ahead, tweet it, put it on Twitter. <laughs> see if I give a shit. Like, saying this out loud, like, as loud as he can in the middle of a poker room with, like, all these people around him watching him. And he's like, <laughs> it's just a $2,200 tournament. BJ Nemeth doesn't even want to cover it because it's over. For whatever. Put it on your blog. I don't give a shit. 
<laughs> so then he he gets like a double and now has like enough chips to like play. And he just goes on this tear where he's like winning every hand off this kid and he's just berating him every single time he wins. It's so much fun to watch. Like I've never had more fun watching poker than I did like this day with Danny. Like he just like keeps ordering drinks and like looked like he was down and out like a long ass time ago. So like anything at this point is like a free roll. Right. And uh, he wins this like ridiculous pot where he three bets seven three off. Uh, the guy calls in position on the button, and it comes like king, five, deuce with two hearts. He leads, and the guy like min-raises him. He floats out of position with seven high, <laughs> turns a seven. It goes check, check, and on the river, like a like four of hearts hits or something. And he checks, and Jake like overbet shoves and puts them all in. And then calls in his right with a seven. With a finger, oh. and he he like stands up and when he rolls his hand and Jake mucks his hand, he just starts walking around the room chanting like, "Oh yeah, go ahead, Danny calls off with a seven. Put it on your blog, throw it on Twitter, <laughs> see if I give a fuck." Like, because I guess like all like Jake's friends, it, someone told me after like all Jake's friends were like tweeting about how like Jake's heads up on Twitter and they're like tagging Danny about how he's got like a ten to one chip advantage on Danny and he's like. Go ahead, put it on your blog, tweet it, tag me, see if I give a shit. <laughs> so then, like, oh. he just proceeds to win, like, all these pots off of him. And, like, there's this one spot, too, that was, like, the kid kept, like, chipping him down. And, like, Danny would win a big pot and then get up and get all loud. But um, there was one, too, where, like, Danny gets it in, like, nines to fours, all in pre. And he just walks around the room, like, chanting about how he's winning. And he's not even looking at the board to see if he gets sucked out on and loses. He's like, oh, yeah. He's like, ship it now. It's over. This kid's got no chance whatsoever, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And so, like, the the staff, like, has pretty clearly cut him off. And he keeps asking for beers. And he's like, yo, when are you going to send cocktails over? And the guys are, like, clearly lying to his face. Like, oh, yeah, we called for a cocktail waitress. She's coming anytime soon now. <laughs> just, like, I've never – I mean, like, I've, I've hung out with Danny, like, once in Vegas, and, like, it wasn't as fun because he was berating me and not anyone else. <laughs> so it's so much more fun when the shoe's on other people's foot, you know, and I don't have to be yeah. able to get berated. It's so much fun. That is amazing. I wish I could have been there to see that. I, I've got to hang out with Danny a lot, obviously, because we lived with him in Vegas. And, man, he, there's not too many people who are more fun when they get a few cocktails in him. Yeah, he's hilarious. I think it's the Newfie thing. Yeah, and some of his friends were from Canada, too, so we were, like, talking about that. Um, I was actually making fun of Danny a lot, too, because he was wearing some, like, some hat that kind of looked like a Kangol hat, but kind of, like, mixed with a French taxi driver, if you get the idea of, like, what I'm going for here. <laughs> yeah. So I spent, like, ten minutes just ripping into Danny about, like, how gay his hat looks, basically, and... This kid, his friend finally turns to me. He's like, "Dude, that's my hat. He borrowed that." He's <laughs> like, "Oh, well, sorry. You should have told me." <laughs> Did it seem like the other guy was like having fun with it, or was he was he getting pissed at? Danny? No, he was not excited at all. Which I think actually contributed to how much fun it was because this kid was like, like you could tell Danny's the way Danny was talking like affected his play. Yeah. Um, oh, the one I didn't even get to, like, the, the best part of the hand. I didn't see, like, how the hand went, but the kid put Danny all in, 
and Danny kind of like semi slow rolled him for the whole tournament victory, which was the funny, like the funniest thing I've ever seen. Like if it was me, I'd be like super pissed. But since I'm in like an objective party on the on the outside, like I thought it was really funny. <laughs> he, I think he had like top set aces against like bottom two pair or something, and like the kid puts him all in on the river, and like Danny thinks for like two seconds with like the nuts. And then calls, and the kid rolls, like, aces and fours for, like, two pair. And Danny goes, oh, two pair, huh? And then rolls, like, that. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, you could oh. tell, like, the kid was pretty pretty clearly upset at, like, Danny's play or whatever. But, he, like, he told him after the fact, like, you know, I was just trying to see if I could, like, get you off your game or whatever. I respect you or whatever. But it was just, wow, it was so much fun to watch. I've never had more fun watching poker in my entire life than that day. I'm gonna have to go find that guy's Twitter stream and. Yeah, I think his name was Jake Schindler because there was a lot of like Schindler's List jokes I think being said that day. So, <laughs> like someone told Danny, someone told Danny on the side of the rail, they're like, "Wow, you just made Schindler's List or something." Like I never really saw the movie, so I don't really get it. But you know, I get the idea at least. Yeah, and uh, of course the guy gets the the better end of the deal in the end because he wins. But yeah, that's he, the side. he ended up winning, but. Danny probably had the most fun though. So. Definitely had the most fun, pretty clearly. Oh, and pretty we came up out. we came up with a new slogan too. I think I'm gonna trademark it if Mikey if Nike's not gonna sue me. You know how they have like the the Jones nose or like the Bones nose shirt, you know? Yeah. Well, wouldn't it be perfect if it was nose nose? Like N O S E K N O W S. And it came to me. It like came to me in a second because when he called with like seven three off, I was like, "Oh my god, it's like nose nose." And then you know, like, <laughs> just like I don't know. I think we're just gonna have to market that. That's got to be like the new TPE shirt. Like the yeah, that could be that could be great. We do need a new shirt too, so that could be the perfect one. Yeah, like the next installment of like the Big Dog series, we got like nose <laughs> nose, and it could be like a picture of like a huge ass nose too on the front. Well, he he is our new our new live pro, so. Yeah, he, he seems to be the one that's doing the best show. lately, for sure. Yeah, he he hit me up and and asked if he can get his name in the in the Bluff Magazine ad that we run now. And I said, if you would have won, I would have put your name in the ad. Uh, <laughs> but since you didn't, sorry. Um, so Danny's playing. I think he plays the main event tomorrow. Um, who knows? Maybe we'll get lucky and you guys will end up at the same table at some point on day two or three or something, and you guys can do drinks together. That'll result in some. Like a large amount of shit talking, I'm sure. Yeah, but that's okay. It'll be it'll be fun. So for everybody out there Use who, my table uh... to... oh, go ahead. Use that my table at a WSOP event, and like he got like super coolered with like like six four and like nine four four six seven or something, and the guy like called him all the way down with sevens and like shoved him in on the river. And I remember just, like, talking shit to his face. like as, I mean, like, as a, like, a friendly joke, but it was just really funny to, like, rib him because he ribs me for, like, everything. Where I was yeah. like, oh, wow, way to go. Like, put your whole tournament on the life with, like, 12th best boat. Congratulations. Like, maybe next time you'll think more about it and you won't get knocked out, you fish. <laughs> I remember him talking about that hand. We actually covered it on, a, uh, on a, another episode of TP Live. and He was so mad about that hand. Yeah. I remember. I, think I, we, I remember just laughing. I'm like, oh wow. I'm like, you had the literally the worst boat possible. Congratulations. <laughs> I'm like, what do you beat? <laughs> what do you beat? 
And meanwhile, I think we probably all call, but it's still funny as hell to make fun of him for it. No, I made fun of him not because he called, because like he shoved over for value or something on the river against like a guy. Oh, that's right. He didn't, yeah. he didn't know like at the time the guy's just like an alternate. So like if that guy's like he's such a station. Like if he, I think my read on him was like if he's betting, just you better have it. And if you do right. have it, it better be like the nuts to like raise for r- value on the river. So. That's yeah. what I was like making fun of him for, but it was still just really funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so for people who want to follow your progress down there, the Twitter is at the Chris Moon, correct? Correct. C H R I S M O O N. So make sure and uh, and follow him. You can follow Danny at Danny M thirteen. Um, I'm not sure. Oh, uh, J Ludov. J underscore L U D underscore O B V. There we go. And then starting tomorrow, I'll try and make the parody account that I was talk- talking about, the J underscore Lude underscore perhaps. <laughs> It'll be things J Lude might have said. <laughs> and I think he actually ended up with a pretty good stack, too, right? Yeah, he had a great stack. He had like 250K stack, I think. Oh, nice. Uh, hopefully all you guys can make it around. It'll give me a good excuse to come out of Florida and hang out. Yeah, for sure. I actually had... Um, kind of decided last second that I was just going to cruise down there, and then I had something come up that is going to require me to leave town for a few days. So might not be heading down, but we'll see what happens. Never know. I think it goes until, I mean, God willing, I think it goes to like Monday or Tuesday, right? The Day two is on Sunday. I know that. So I have until Sunday off. Yeah. So it'd be like, what, day three is on Monday, and depending on like when final table starts, it might be like Tuesday. So, Right. And it's actually... I could almost drive there if I wanted to. It's not a pleasant drive, but I could do it. How far so away is we'll it from you? I want to say it's like maybe 10 hours. Oh, yeah. That is not a pleasant drive. I will tell you that. Yeah. I'm used to that kind of stuff, though, because whenever I used to go to AC, I would drive, and that's about eight hours. Um, and I've driven to Vegas twice, so. And that's well, you're from Michigan, hours. too. You know that, like, there's no place in, a, in the state that's longer than, like, six hours away from any other place in the state. So, like, ten right. hours of driving just sounds, like, brutal to me. But Yeah, it is kind of brutal, but I, I don't know. I kind of enjoy driving. I'm a weirdo like that. I guess my figure only, like, it has to exclude the Upper Peninsula, but I don't think the Upper Peninsula even counts anyway, so who cares? I agree, and that's, and that's where I'm from. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> well, sort of. I, I spent my high school years in the Upper Peninsula. I actually was... Born and raised downstate. But, okay. But then moved to the UP, and I can't stay on that place. No offense to our listeners from the UP, if we have any. Do they have <laughs> Do they have radio and podcasts up there yet? I don't think so. <laughs> nah, probably not. If you do, you probably have to like crank an arm or something to get it to play. They're on dial-up, but it's like they have like someone outside on a bike, like pedaling for the <laughs> <Yeah>. dial-up. <laughs> My wife actually just came back from visiting her dad there, and uh, she could not wait to get back. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be really tough, like, bicycling for electricity and churning your own butter and all that stuff, so. <laughs> I, all I know is that she came up with lots of pictures of, like, shooting guns and touring copper mines, and I was like, wow, that looks like a lot of fun. Glad I didn't go. Yeah. So, eh, good old Michigan. Um, cool. All right, man. Well, thanks for jumping on with us. Definitely appreciate it. Good to get an update. I know we tried to get something going at the World Series. Never really happened. But uh, glad we could get this one done, and hopefully we can get you back on after you win this thing to talk about uh, the final table with Danny. The <laughs> final table with Danny. What a dream scenario that would be. That would be amazing. Yeah. So good luck, and uh, and say hello to all the guys down there for me. All right, thanks, Emma. Cool. All right, buddy. Take care. All right, bye.
Hey guys, big thanks to Chris Moon for joining us here on TPE Live. I want to thank you guys for hanging in with us as well. Uh, apologize for any technical difficulties, but uh, those are the challenges of recording from a hotel room. <laughs> but uh, I still think it was good. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And uh, stay tuned. Hopefully we'll try to get some of these guys on later in the tournament to talk a little bit more about the, uh, the deeper parts of the series. And uh, until then, we'll see you guys next time on TPE Live. Later. We welcome you to the Sunshine State. They're kicking back and soaking up the rays every day in Florida. I mean Florida. The sun is setting over Tampa Bay. It's like a Caribbean holiday every day in Florida. We got Shaq down on South Beach, the Dolphins too. Springtime for the Yankees and the Dodger Blue. Golf courses, beaches, it's easy to spot them. You like the Gators? Man, we got them down in Florida. We welcome you to the Sunshine State, a category five hurricane. Spoil the day in Florida We got rockets on the east coast Go up all the time like it that you'd ever find Bingo, shuffleboard, fishing too You see that cat man? His hair was blue down in Florida We welcome you to the Sunshine State We're kicking back and soaking up the rays Every day in Florida like a Caribbean holiday Every day in Florida